Well, Easter Day, in a couple weeks here, it'll mark seven years since we took over the whole warehouse space. Yeah. Um, if you were here before that, you will remember that what comprises our entire children's space, that was our space. Um, before it was in the middle, then we moved it against the wall. Um, but it was, it's been seven years since we said, hey, we need the whole space. We're going to take over the whole space. God gave us the opportunity uh, to it. And if you were here the weeks leading up to it, because we had just a few weeks to get this space ready for Easter Day, part, you, you, were, you were probably part of just, the, just this massive influx, this ton of work that went into getting prepared for Easter Sunday. None of these walls that you see behind you and to the side were, were built yet. Um, it was just a big cavernous uh, echo chamber of a room. It's still kind of an echo chamber, but it was, it was, re it was crazy. E like literally, I think things that I spoke back then are still like floating up into the ether, into the night sky, right? It was so echoey. Um, you guys are quiet this morning. And uh, so, but we had to do some things before we got in here, right? We had some work to do. We had to build uh, a stage and tables for the cafe. Um, all this barn wood you see here was contributed by Zeke Ziegler, the Ziegler family. Um, we had to install a sound system. Obviously, we've had varying results with that. Um, <laughs> but we had to install a sound system. We had to buy new chairs uh, because the only chairs that we had were ones that had been, I mean, generously donated to us by Randy Van Hove. Uh, from the funeral home that he worked at. You can go anywhere you want with that, right? You can go anywhere you want with that. But that's what we used for a long time. Um, so the whole church came together and we, we got it done, right? If you were there, you remember. We had a lot of skilled people. We had skilled people who designed the stage, cut the wood for our cafe tables. We had less skilled people like me sweeping up all the sawdust. Um, we had Melissa who was staining tables and making batches of brown butter rice krispie treats. Like simultaneously, she was doing both those things, you know. Um, some of our kids, I remember, were helping Zach Watson construct our first cross. It's over there. It's back, back in the corner by the bathroom in the hallway there. You can see it. Um, everybody pitched in to help prepare, and it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. It was really life-giving to see the progress that, that we had made in such a short amount of time. And then after we made it through Easter, we began a fundraising campaign that we called Redeeming the Warehouse so that we could get these walls up, uh, get a sound booth in, um, but absolutely no additional bathrooms. That would not happen for years and years later when to keep our priorities straight. Um, but there were so many hands that helped beautify our space and make it both invitational and functional because that's what we want our church to be, right? It, it needs to serve a purpose. It, it's really just a bunch of wood and brick and metal and, and concrete. So it needs, to, it needs to, to serve a purpose. It needs to serve two purposes for us. So when you think of the warehouse, you can always be thinking, is it invitational and is it functional? It needs to be those two things. And that's what we're always trying to do. But it was the work of God within God's family at work. That's what was happening during all of those projects. And this is what we're going to see happen today in Nehemiah 3. Nehemiah shows us what it looks like for God's family to work together. Now, I'm just going to sort of step through uh, some of these verses because it kind of reads a little bit like a genealogy. And I think I will be maybe exhausting you and obviously exhausting my ability to pronounce all these names. Um, so we're just going to kind of step through some of these key verses. 
In Nehemiah 3, when we look at verse 1, it says, Then Elili, see, I can't even say, I'm out, I'm already done. <laughs> then the guy whose name is written down there that starts with an E, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built. Some of you guys thought that was really way too funny. <laughs> they built the sheep gate, they consecrated it, and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho, Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And you kind of will see a theme to the way they describe what happened right there with the building of the walls. And we get down to verse 12, and it says, Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. And then we get down to verse 15. It said, And Shalom, the son of Kolhazah, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. Then we get down to verse 28, and it says, Above the horse gate the, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite to his own house. And after him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, uh, repaired. And then we get down finally to verse 32. And it said, in between the upper chambers of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants uh, repaired. And so what we see here, just right at the beginning, just taking even a cursory glance over what's happening here with all of these people that are coming together under Nehemiah's leadership to do the thing that Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to do, which was repair the walls. What we see is that they all come together. They all have a place. So that's what we want to talk about here for just one minute is that everybody has a place, whatever the talent, whatever the gifting Everybody has a place to serve the Lord as his people. Different tribes here all represented. Different genders, different roles. And yet everybody finds their place in rebuilding the walls. Some of the work required more skill, but there was something for everybody to do regardless of skill. And like I said a second ago, even regardless of gender, as we see in verse 12, where the, the daughters helped, now that wouldn't have been a traditional role for them at that time. But what this shows you is that when God's people come together, God is, God is very inclusive in terms of using everybody in his family to be a part of the work that needs to be done. This says something about who God is. This says something about God's character, Right? And it's the same in the church. It's the same here at Substance. Everybody in God's family has a place to serve and to further the work of God's kingdom. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to make a really hard left there. I'm sorry, a hard right. All the way to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And this is what Paul says to us. When he's talking about the body and the church body, he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Verse 15, and then says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So God has designed the church in such a way that everybody has a role to fill. Y'all have a role to fill. You all have a gift to offer. You all have a talent to share. And we shouldn't fall into the trap of comparative analysis, which is what Paul is pointing out for us here. Some of you have gifts that are more visible. They're just a little more visible. And because of that, they will appear to have a more visible impact because, again, they're, they're more easily seen. But then others of you have gifts that, that seem less visible or seem smaller, we might even say, and will likely have a more unseen and behind-the-scenes impact. But what Paul is trying to say here in 1 Corinthians is that all of it is valuable and necessary. All of it is valuable and necessary. And in fact, according to Paul, if you don't even think it's necessary, and if you have this opinion of the way God has gifted you and the, and the talents he's given you not being enough to contribute, he goes, it doesn't mean it's any less valuable just because you think it. Like it. It's like it doesn't even matter what you think about it. Because he's saying, I'm telling you, this is how God designed the church. And so, as we see in Nehemiah 3, everybody is listed, and isn't it amazing that they give us this long chapter, this long list of people that we completely ignored, didn't read, but like they gave us this whole list of men and women that contributed to the work to show us that everybody was valuable, everybody was vital, everybody had a place into the rebuilding of the walls. In the church, it is so easy to stand back and sort of see and view the, uh, I'm going to put it in quotes, the professionals doing ministry and think, there is no place for me. Well, uh, you might not be a preacher. I mean, we, we, don't have a, we don't have a lot of, you know, we don't have a lot of place for multiple preachers at Substance. You might not be a preacher. You might not be a singer. We have, we have a little, we have a little more, we have a few more categories for singers, but that might not be your thing, right? You might not be a musician. And if you're not a musician and you're not a singer, you kind of shouldn't be up here singing and trying to play an instrument, right? Those are more visible roles within the church. But there's so much more than just what you see up here on the platform. And I haven't even touched 
on ministry outside of the walls of the warehouse. I'm glad the longs aren't here because I want to talk about them. I want to gossip about them for a minute in the most righteous of ways, which means it's not gossip. Um, I want to praise them. But something, I remember the longs, they've been with us for so long now, it's hard to remember there was a a time when they weren't. It was early days. But I remember receiving uh, uh, an email from, from Scott. They had visited the church they were in Australia at the time in school and they decided they were, him and Kat had just gotten married, they were going to relocate back to Ashland and they decided that they wanted to make Substance their home church. And I had just met him, I didn't really know him, but um, I knew he was involved in ministry in Australia and he was a, this amazing musician and all of these things. And so I got this email from him and uh, he said, hey, just to let you know, we're coming back um, and you know, uh, we're, we're gonna, Substance is going to be our home church. We want to get involved. We want to serve uh, in any way that we can. And, um, and he said, and by the way, he said, when I mean any way that we can, he said, I have no expectation of just rolling in and just sort of like jumping up on the platform and, and, and start singing right away. He said, in fact, um, whatever you need, we're available. He said, so if you need someone to clean toilets and, and wipe down all the bathrooms on the weekend, why don't you just start us there? And I said, you know what, man, okay. <laughs> we'll start you there. What I loved about Scott's attitude was that for him, um, he, he wasn't drawing all this comparative analysis. He wasn't looking for the church to be someplace where he can just get to the place that he wanted to be, even though he was even gifted in those ways. But he was saying, hey, Ronnie, wherever there's a need, we will step up into it. We will serve. Just let us No, right? And hey, by the way, we needed those bathrooms cleaned seven years ago like we we need them cleaned now, right? So what I loved about Scott was that this, you had this amazingly gifted musician that came in and he just said, at the end of the day, it just matters where you have a need and where I can be used. And if you can't use me on the platform yet, it doesn't matter because I just want to serve and I want to be used. We see the same spirit here in Nehemiah chapter 3 where everybody is just contributing. Do you think everybody working on every part of that wall, like that was their thing? Can you imagine if they would have mentioned my name in that? You would be like, wait a minute, Martin worked on the wall? I mean, what was he doing? Like sitting on the edge of it eating cookies? Like what was he doing on the wall, right? But it doesn't matter because everybody contributed what they could to the process, and there is, there's, there's an honor in that that God gives us as the church body to contribute what we have. Um, again, however great, however small. Listen, when Christ saved you, the Holy Spirit entered your heart to empower you for good works. That's what's going on, to empower you for the ways he already gifted you that now can be used in a redemptive way. Don't think that Christ has not made the church a wildly diverse canvas for you all to grab a brush and paint on. But this requires a shift in our thinking. It requires that we begin to see every opportunity as a gospel moment, as a gospel opportunity. And when you start seeing everything in your life as a gospel moment, it changes how you see every person every circumstance, every season of your life. Turn with me to Romans. We're not that far away from it in Corinthians. Romans chapter 12. Again, Paul is really helpful for us here. Listen to what he says in Romans 
12.3, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Sometimes we make this, as my wife reminded me of this, we make this so complicated. We make this so, I got to find out my gift mix. I don't know if I can step into that. I don't know if I'm qualified to, to do that. I, I got to, you know, I got to take like 19 different personality tests. I got to figure out like what's the, the right step for me to take. And it's like, ha, have you ever, have you ever looked over at your neighbor, asked them a question about their life and then encouraged them in that? That's, that's called serving the church, right? That's called building up the church. That's what, that's what we're talking about here, right? When, it, when we're taking what's happening in Nehemiah 3 and we're bringing it down to the life of the church, we're not just talking about building physical things, right? We're talking about building up the hearts and the souls and the minds of the people that we are part of the same body with. That's what Paul is driving at here. All of you have a valuable place in the church to serve the church, in Nehemiah 3, everybody had a place. The second thing is that everybody works together. You notice how it says next to him over and over and over again, almost after every verse. And then next to him, this person started to rebuild this part of the wall. One person wasn't tasked with repairing the wall, but it was a community effort. Everybody had a place and they worked together as a community to complete the good work that God had strengthened their hands to do. Remember last week when we learned that God had strengthened their hands for the good work. One of the reasons we gather as a local church body is because God intended us to do the work of the gospel together. I'm not supposed to do this work alone. I'm just not supposed to do this work alone. It's not what it was ever intended to be. None of us are ever supposed to do this work alone. We're supposed to collaborate. We're supposed to let our weaknesses be the occasion for other people's strengths. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Man, as a lead pastor, I can do maybe a couple of things decently, right? That might be up for debate for some of you. Um, but I wasn't meant to do all the things that so many of you do so well and are infinitely more gifted than I am to do. What happens is that we make a big deal about finding our place. More important is probably just to be in a place, to say, hey, whatever needs to be done, I'm gonna serve and by serving, I'm gonna find out a greater, I'm gonna have greater knowledge about what my gifts might be. Because we are empowered by the Spirit to both do it and to find it out and to gain greater knowledge about it. Jesus has empowered us by his Spirit to be a community of saints, which is why a church congregation doesn't consist of, of one person, right? It's why leadership at substance doesn't consist of 
one person. It's why our deacons don't do all the work of serving the church by themselves. I mean, how interesting is it that Jesus called the 12 apostles? Is it because he needed help? I mean, he didn't. He needed to help them learn how to accomplish his mission. When we open to uh, Ephesians 4, you don't have to turn there, but we're reminded of this when it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ministry is not for the professionals. There are, I hate using that word, there are professionals in ministry. All I mean when I say professionals, there are people that get paid to do ministry. But we're all called, we're all being equipped to do the work of ministry within the sphere that God has placed us in, right? When the body of Christ encourages and empowers each other to use the gifts God has given us, things happen. The church changes. The world changes, Scripture tells us. The world doesn't just see a bunch of people doing community projects. When the world sees a church that comes together as a community that lives out their gifts, empowered by the Spirit, the church sees Jesus in that. They see sacrifice. They see love. They see forgiveness because it takes all those things to work together. They see the work of ministry grounded in the worship of Jesus. This is the vision Jesus had for the church. This is the vision you will see with increased clarity as you commit to doing this work faithfully. And so the question for us is, do we want to get in on this? Everybody has a place. Everybody gets to work together because this is how God designed it. And then finally, everybody grows together in the process. Ephesians 4.12, continuing from that verse, it says, for the building up of the body of Christ until, listen to what he says, Paul says here, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. You can add womanhood to that as well. To attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Like, what's the big idea with all this? Just to keep putting up walls? To keep painting a bunch of bricks? I mean, that matters. That's important, right? Invitational and functional, those are things God gives us. Those things matter. But what's more important is that we are attaining a particular unity that comes from our shared faith. And we are increasing in our knowledge of the Son of God. And as we increase in our knowledge of God's Son together, we are also maturing together as men and women of faith. That's the big idea. That's what was actually happening back here in Nehemiah 3. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Listen to this. He goes, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. We just read it. As a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's the vision. That's the vision for the church. That's what all of y'all can get in on because you've given your hearts and your lives over to the beauty and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's what the Apostle Paul was getting at in 2 Corinthians 4 when he said, for it is all for your sake, 
It is all for your sake. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. When we worship together and work together, we grow together. The Israelites had a common mission together to rebuild what had been broken. I mean, just think about that. As they toil together on each part of the wall, their hearts will become more deeply united in the mission God laid out for them through Nehemiah. This describes the church's mission, right? We are broken people being rebuilt by Jesus so that we can be a testimony to the glory of Jesus' rebuilding process in the world. So what we're going to talk about next Sunday after services, when we talk about renewing the warehouse, which is our next building project we're going to dive into, it's just our way of saying that renewal is a way of life for us. Renewal is a way of life for us. It's a lifestyle for us as Substance Church. Christ renews us through salvation, through sanctification, through the sacraments, when we take communion, when we do baptisms, and he also does it through community, which is how everything around us becomes renewed in the process, right? So this idea of being renewed through community, it means that as the Lord is shaping you and sanctifying you, and he's making you more like Jesus, somehow that's the same way that he does it in somebody else through you, and it's happening to you through somebody else. It's an amazing process that God gives us, living out this life of renewal. Again, let me read that verse I just read in 2 Corinthians, when Paul said, it is for all your sakes so that grace extends more and more to more and more people and may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart, Paul says. We want to lose heart. We have things around us that are bearing down at us, that are, that are pulling us in. We want to lose heart. The temptation is to lose heart. But Paul says we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away because our inner self is being renewed day by day. Then he says this crazy line, you've heard this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look into the things that are seen, not seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, transient, Paul says, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So renewal, which happens in a church body, through community, as we dive into God's word, as we take communion, as we pray together, renewal grounds us back to the cross of Christ, back to the grace of Christ, which is the wisdom of God that creates renewal in our lives over and over and over again throughout the course of our lifetimes. Listen, it was not the work the Israelites were doing that was renewing them. It wasn't what gave them standing as people who were being reunited with God. God had already been renewing them as his people to begin rebuilding for the sake of his name and his glory. So listen, to be God's family at work means we need to be the family God is working in. It means we need to increasingly be pointing each other back to Jesus, pursuing each other like Jesus, persevering together with Jesus. That's God's family at work. All the other stuff, all the two by fours, just gonna flow from that. Because if we don't get these foundational elements right, 
our church is going to become the stuff of bad blood, of infighting, egos, suspicion, gossip, toxic insecurity. Richard Lovelace, a guy who wrote just the, the key book for Christian renewal, this is his quote. He says, Christians who are no longer sure that God loves and accepts them in Jesus, apart from their present spiritual achievements, are subconsciously, radically insecure persons. It's so true. It's so true. So as God's family, we work together day by day, month by month, year by year, reminding one another that we are fully loved and accepted by Jesus. That's growing together. That's being renewed together in the grace of the gospel. Knowing that I don't have to pretend. Man, I'm, I'm your pastor. I don't got to fake it. I don't got to pretend or posture to you guys. I don't got to act like I'm something I'm not. I don't need to know it all because I don't. I don't need to hide it all. I can be honest about my faults. I can just be who God made me and let you be who God made you and we can stand together as we work together for the glory of God and the good of the church. Philippians 1, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are, listen to this, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So here's what I am encouraging us to do this morning. To stand firm in one spirit. To strive side by side with one mind. With lives that are worthy of the gospel. Everybody has a place. Everybody can work together. And everybody will grow together because Jesus is our chief shepherd and our lead pastor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this work that you have given us that reflects the work that you are doing in us. Lord, thank you for renewing us day by day like you were the Israelites in Nehemiah 3, how you had prepared them for Nehemiah to come into their lives and begin this work of reestablishing Jerusalem as the outpost, Lord, for your work in them as a nation that was being ruled by you. Lord, I pray in some similar ways, God, that you would encourage us in these ways as well. Lord, that as we come together to do work on our warehouse, for it to be invitational and functional, we also want to be a priesthood, we want to be a light, we want to be a beacon and an outpost of hope where you are the one that rules over us. And people see the way that we work together, see the way that we complement one another. Lord, they see that we can come together and we can work and we, we leave our egos at the door. And we also support and encourage those who are very fearful because they don't know what place they have. So Lord, would you continue to strengthen us and grow us in working together as your family? We want to be your family at work. 
And for that to happen, we need to be the family that you are working in. So would you do that work in us and encourage us in it? Let us walk away today excited. Let us walk away today uh, expectant. Let us walk away today prayerful as we go before you, as we ask you, as we plead with you, Lord, to continue to build us um, as a church that sacrifices and as a church that savors the beauty of Jesus Christ. Help us to do that, Lord. You know who you're working with better than we do. Um, A bunch of imperfect, sinful people that are in various stages of our sanctification. And yet you have saved us. You have called us from darkness to light. Let us live in your light and be reflections of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.